Welcome to the Dead Pixel Society podcast, the photo imaging industry's leading news source. Here's your host, Gary Peugeot. The Dead Pixel Society podcast is brought to you by MediaClip, Photo Finale, and Advertech Printing. Hello again and welcome to the Dead Pixel Society podcast. I'm your host, Gary Peugeot, and today we're joined by photographer and entrepreneur Jenna Noel. She comes to us from Denver, Colorado. Hi, Jenna. How are you today? Yeah, I'm well. How are you? Good. So, Jenna, tell me how you got into the crazy photography business. What drew you to it? You said you've been in the business for 15 years. I have, yeah. So, I'd always had it as a hobby. Um, Back when I started, it was still film cameras only, which ages me. But (laughs) (laughs) I remember getting um, my boyfriend in college bought me like one of the first DSLRs that was starting to come out. Like they just started and I was playing with it. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the time I was taking a photography elective. It was not in my mind at all that I could make this a career. Um, I was going to school to be a vet, a veterinarian actually. And my photography instructor was like, "Mm, you should try to do this for a living. And I was like, what? You know, like it just had never occurred to me to take something that I love doing and make it uh, a career. Mm-hmm. And then I graduated and kind of had that post-graduation existential crisis because I had decided not to be a vet. And I thought I would just throw some feelers out there. And yeah. um, some some brave soul hired me and taught me how to do weddings specifically. And I ended up really liking it and sticking to it. Because being a vet is a long slog. I mean, after undergrad, you've got one another eight or 10 years, I think, before you actually become a full vet. It's a long road. So it's more competitive to get into the medical school because there's fewer of them. Mm-hmm. And then you get out of it and you make a fraction of the money. <laughs> and I think in my mind, when I started, I was thought I was going to be like saving animals and stuff, but it's mm-hmm. really mostly like neutering, spaying, shots, mm-hmm. antibiotics. So it, I, it didn't have this fantasy and that I had in my mind. <laughs> so instead you, you know, hitch up with a photographer. So you found a mentor, which is a great, great thing to do. How long did you work with this other photographer? So that was a different time. That was back when there weren't a ton of like solo photographers. It sure. was more like companies that were housing five to 10. And so I got on board as like the low man on the ladder with one of those companies. And I started just assisting kind of interning, working for free. Mm -hmm. Then I did second shooting with them. And then they started to give me lead assignments. That whole trajectory was about a year and a half. And then from there, I went on to freelance for probably longer than most. I wasn't, I didn't come out of the gate with a website. I really wanted to spend a lot of time learning before Mm -hmm. I launched my own myself as a brand do you have a style that you that you kind of made your own as you were growing as an early photographer and is that is that what you're still doing yeah I identified really early on that my strong suit is a candid emotional content content mm-hmm. and by that I don't mean to the exclusion of the ability to pose mm-hmm. um, but you know this first company I ever worked for they told me from the outset they said oh you're really good at getting people to look natural so it's not that I don't pose them it's just good that I can I can get them to kind of relax and unpose them a little bit too sure. so my approach is definitely um, very photojournalistic in a lot of ways. And, um, I really want the pictures to make you feel something, you Mm -hmm. know, instead of just looking kind of plug and play. And then from there you went to 
starting your own your own creative agency, correct? Yeah, I went full time about almost a decade ago. Okay. And yeah, I just my own assignments and I didn't I I've always only wanted to be a one woman show. I've never wanted to having spent time in the business model of having multiple photographers working sure. for you. Um, I know that that is not the route for me. But it's 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 exhausting cuz cuz you're it, right? It is, but I feel like I really want my clients specifically, I want them to have a personal experience where it's me from beginning to end. And I don't really want to be juggling multiple people's responsibility for multiple people in a day. You know, I really want to give a more personalized experience. Right. Things are going swimmingly. Sounds like your business is growing and everything. And then COVID happens. How did you... How did that, I mean, obviously it impacted a lot of wedding photographers business. So what was it you learned early on from COVID? Oh, I mean, it was so unprecedented. You could ask everyone around you how to do it and what they were doing. And everyone was just like, I don't know. We're figuring it out as we go along. Mm -hmm. The first thing I did, you know, it started with the stay at home order. So obviously that was no weddings could happen. Right. So with those, it was talking about postponement right away. And then as it went on longer and longer and longer, restrictions got really intense. Then it was starting to talk about postponements into the following year and cancellations and your normal retainer and cancellation policy is a little in flux because nobody had contracts to address a situation like this because it hasn't happened since the Spanish flu. So it really took a lot of thinking and getting feedback from people and just being in it to figure out what was going to work best. And eventually I landed on, you know, you have, if you need to postpone during a pandemic or wartime, it's called a force majeure, something that's out of everyone's hands. You have 90 days to make a decision about when you're going to postpone to. Mm-hmm. Here's the new payment structure. You can postpone within this amount of time frame. You can't postpone to two years from now, you know. Um, and then also a policy that if you booked me, in the middle of the pandemic. So it was a known circumstance. It's going to default to normal contract terms, Mm -hmm. but in the coming up with those policies, I mean, there was a lot of difficult conversations because none of us really knew what the right thing to do or when this was going to be over. Sure. And what were the resources you relied on for that information? Where, where did you go? I mean, for, for finding this, you know, finding out about force majeure and things like that. My lawyer, (laughs) my my lawyer, colleagues, my insurance. There was a lot of um, online communities that sent out sample force majeure language. But even those things that were getting sent out early on for free were not, they were very like vague force majeure language Mm -hmm. where with weddings, you really need to be so specific And Mm -hmm. so it took me a time to really hone that down and make it a very solid game plan. Sure. And that just took trial and error, if I'm being honest. What were you doing to make up the revenue during that time? Could you do anything? Um, Well, some people stayed on board and just scaled down their weddings. Mm -hmm. Um, I gave people a very wide range of dates they could postpone to without any fees but I couldn't let every single person postpone to a 2021 Saturday, or then I'd be going two years without income, you know? Correct. Yep, yep, so yes. I, so I had to create some structure around if it was a peak season date, then you would have to pay 
you know, depending on what day of the week you wanted to move it to, you would have to pay mm-hmm. some postponement fees right. because, which was so hard to tell people because it's not their fault. But at the same time, I can't go two years without income. Right. Um, so these were sure. very difficult conversations where everybody's right, you know, and you just have to find, hopefully have be working with people who are willing to cr- uh, reach creative solutions for you. But, you know, fortunately, we, I had a lot of money in savings because I've always been a pretty smart saver. Blew through it pretty quickly with having to give people a lot of refunds, but uh, mm-hmm. thank God I had that. And then um, I took advantage of government support sure. uh, yep. at that time. I wasn't going to turn that down. So, yeah. uh, But I mean, fortunately for you, you had an established business, right? And you had a business process you could rely on to talk to people and all that. I mean, I just wonder about newer photographers, right? Who didn't have 10 years in the bank of experience and and reputation and everything else, because with with someone like your reputation, you could say, I'm not going to be available now because of COVID, but, you know, book in eight months and I'll be there and you'll get this wonderful Mm -hmm. work. Right. And I I was just feeling for a lot of the newer photographers in that space, right. Who were, who didn't have that advantage. Yes. And no, because there were some people that wanted me to postpone to a peak season Saturday and not charge any fees and, or postpone yeah. two years out. And I, I had to tell them, I want to be consistent across all my clients and be fair. Right. And sure. if I let everyone do this, my business won't be around for me to shoot your wedding. Right. You know, exactly. so I had to yeah. literally, it's at, t- towards the middle slash end of that, I, I had to be really frank with people that I can't, I can't take a hundred percent of the fall from this. I want to, I'll work with them, but I can't take a hundred percent of the fall or I won't have cameras to shoot on you know right well and the other thing is is you know the venues are doing something very similar right you know because they had to deal with move dates and things and people holding dates and they had to do many of the same things so it's not like the 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 couples the the bride and the groom were hearing this just from you they're hearing it from everybody yes and no because like a lot of people get married in restaurants or hotels Mm -hmm. and when they postpone or yeah, when they postpone that venue, unless it's specifically a wedding venue, does have another way to make income. Yeah. They could just keep their restaurant open that yeah. day or they still have rooms they're booking out. So companies like that were able to offer a little bit more flexible policies than yeah. like a one woman business or like even planners and florists mm-hmm. who have staff and can do multiple weddings a day. Yeah. They were able to be a little bit more flexible, but I'm just one woman. And if I block out that day, that's it, you know, or if you cancel your wedding that day, that's it. So it was difficult for me to explain to people why they were hearing different things from different vendors, but it's because, you know, every business has a different structure and we can't all offer the same things. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Photo retailers, energize your sales with share me chat the proven texting platform. Using chat to text on your website keeps your customers connected and buying. See us at Pro and IPI to find out why dealers using ShareMeChat close more sales without adding staff. Find out more at shareme.chat. So part of the the COVID process is you've had to kind of reevaluate what part of the market you want to approach. Right. So, so yeah. talk a little bit about that, that you've, you've chosen to kind of address a different part of the market to the exclusion of others. 
So I've kind of been at all levels of the market, you know, starting out right in the beginning as an intern up until now. And um, what I really learned, I had already had plans to kind of scale back on quantity, fewer weddings for a higher price in 2019. But in 2020, when I had 26, which was at that point, the least amount of couples I'd taken on in years, I was doing like 35, 45 in previous years. Mm-hmm. Um, when I realized I was responsible for 26 couples and I had emails coming from all those people and, um, I had not charged them my worth, to be honest, mm-hmm. uh, what sure. someone at my experience level and with the expense level of my equipment should be charging them. I really realized that I had backed myself into a corner. Mm-hmm. And sure. so it really kind of put a fire under my ass, honestly, to reconfigure how to move up in the market to more of a luxury, you know, like the review base was there, the portfolio is there, the talent and experience was there, but I wasn't, I hadn't been asking for the price that was reasonable and I deserved to be paid at that mm-hmm. juncture of my life. And so sure. I decided to really up my prices, but I think that when you up your prices, you should also re, uh, reconsider your offerings. So I thought, you know, how can I make this a more luxury experience? And if I'm shooter feeding fewer weddings, I have more time on my hands to do that. You know, it's right. hard to deliver world-class services when you're just taking on like an unbelievable quantity. So right. part of it was for me. And part of it is I want to genuinely give a better experience to my clients. Sure. Cause that's good. I mean, that is a challenge that I think a lot of creatives who are in the business world are, are wrestle with, right. What is the value of what I do, right? There's your time, there's your equipment, there's your uh, materials that you may use or burn through. But then there's also, like you said, the experience, the creativity, the, and all of those things. Those are kind of the intangible things. How, how can you put a price or a value on that? So how do you do that? What is your thought um, process to say, I'm getting, I was getting X, and now I'm going to do try and get Y. And yes, I'm going to provide more intangibles, right? So how do you? So... Answer one, market research. I mm-hmm. figured out what people who were shooting in this at the same level as me were charging. And sure. I figured out what luxury clients want to pay. You can charge too little for a luxury client and that will be off-putting to them. Right. So I figured out um, what you know the, the entry point for that price level was. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point, I came across a calculator on the internet that was like, average cost of living where you are. Here's what all your business expensive costs. Okay. Here, how many weddings you want to do a year? This is how much you should be charging. And I was just like, Oh my God, I'm so undercharging. And I think it's common with a lot of creatives because we all kind of have imposter syndrome, you know, and, Mm -hmm. um, right with this, it's, it's, it's very vulnerable to ask no matter how good you are. It's a vulnerable feeling to ask for money, especially like in some cases, maybe someone could buy a car with the amount of money, but then you look at planners and there's plenty of planners in Denver that are charging like $30,000. And when I look at that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm at the time I was just like, I am charging such a pittance compared to that. (laughs) You know, so, so I mean, I don't want to get into specific pricing because I don't know if that's relative, but what what was the, 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 the X multiplier you think you needed to apply? to your base to say, okay, I'm, I'm now luxury, right? Is it two X, three, you know, three, I don't know. I'm just curious what that. 
Um, and what more are you going to add on to, 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 to warrant that? Like you said, add a luxury, more luxury experience. How, what, yeah, what, that's a good question. Cause a lot of people will just raise their prices, even though they haven't gained any more experience or offering anything different, which you should raise your prices every year, but by a reasonable amount, mm-hmm. I just hadn't raised mine in so long right. that I pretty much doubled my prices. Okay. Um, but I also completely changed my offerings. Mm-hmm. Um, so now instead of it being like churning out a bunch of people, I have way more elaborate onboarding. So I'm learning more about people at the outset. I'm sending out custom proposals that are like doing proposal based pricing instead of like, here's a price sheet, pick one, sending yes. out custom proposals that are, um, have photos in them that are relevant to their project and are thoughtful of what they actually want. Um, I started doing instead of, I always think in this day and age, people either get a USB or they get an, uh, an email with a link to a gallery. That's what I was doing. And so the first time they're seeing their photos is usually like on their phone, you Mm -hmm. know, and it seems like such a shame, you know, for that to be your experience of this like really important thing. So I thought about how can I make this more special? And I decided I was going to start doing like premieres and I would send people like a custom invite to a premiere of their photos and rent out a really beautiful space. And via onboarding, I had asked them like what their favorite snacks and stuff were. And I conveniently have those at the premiere. So it's just like, I've got all their comfort foods. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I've got all their comfort foods. I've asked them what their favorite songs are. I've made a slideshow set to their favorite songs. I've included quotes that are important to them. And I'm showing them their photos in a way that's like intimate and emotional and kind of having them be able to relive that day so that when their wedding's over, they still have something to look forward to. And at first I was, I decided to do that because I thought it'd be really beautiful for the client. Right. But then I'm also there, uh, you know, in the background, letting them have a private experience. And I realized that watching being able to see people's reactions to these photos was actually also very good for me. Um, because a lot of times it's a fast paced world. Sometimes people will get their wedding photos and won't even respond. Um, and it doesn't, it took me a long time to realize it doesn't mean they don't like them. It's just like, you know, sometimes people just forget. So to be able to see reactions and know that I like made a positive impact in this person's life and they cherish these photos, it, it's, it ended up being therapeutic for me as well. I mean, that sounds like a great thing, Asher, because you get to see the response right there, as opposed to, like you said, getting a link on their phone and you're not seeing that, you know, they're not, they're, you're not seeing them flip through and they're, you know, probably, you're, and in the case of this presentation, you're, you know, seeing the tears and the laughter and all that yeah. stuff. So, so what happens to that slideshow afterwards? Is that part of the package or is that a one-time only experience? And if you don't do this, you're going to miss out. No, um, it's in their proofing gallery. So I don't send them their gallery before this. This is their first time seeing their photos. But the slideshow is like not every picture. It's like a highlight reel of what I think are the best photos. And then I show them that. And usually they want to see it more than once, you know, and then they also have all their photos. And the proofing site I use will also play that in slideshow format. Mm -hmm. But it just takes longer. It's, it's, you know, if you're getting 400 photos, that's going to take a while to go through. And they get at that link gets sent to them and they have that indefinitely mm-hmm. to download. So imagine how long have you been doing that? The, this new format? Um, I just started doing that last year. Okay. So I'm sure the response from that has given you from a marketing standpoint, tremendous word of mouth. You know, it's been 
a hard couple of years and I had some major health concerns in 20 and 2021 that I had to take some time off of like mm-hmm. beating the pavement and advertising myself and networking sure. and whatnot. So I would say, yes, when, when people do find out they're all about it. Um, but because it's so new and I just started offering it, it hasn't gotten around quite yet. Okay. I mean, obviously that is one of the great things about weddings is, you know, not only is there a bride and groom, but there's also bridesmaids and, and groomsmen who will probably be getting married as well at some point in the future, right? I mean, there's sort of that natural yeah. network that happens within that, that I think, you know, as you provide that experience to clients and you're providing something that is actually well worth paying for, right? I think you're yeah. going to have great success with something like that. Well, the wedding market, the event, no, just weddings specifically, actually, is a unique market in that it's not like retail. It's not like Apple, where when they put out an iPhone and then they put out an iPad, you have experience with that brand. So you're probably going to buy that iPad. Mm-hmm. But a wedding is usually a one and done. So you don't mm-hmm. get a lot. Every client that comes to you is a new client with no experience with your brand, unless they were like a bridesmaid in a wedding you shot. Exactly. You have to re-pitch yourself every single time, and then you might never see them again. So it's very different than retail and that you don't get a brand loyalty. So I actually think the better path to getting referral work is to really establishing relationships with planners and venues. Mm -hmm. Because I do get referral work from past clients, but not always. Sometimes everyone they have at their wedding is already married, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. So that's interesting. So planners and venues are part of your clientele, if you will, because clearly they want someone that they can refer to that is reliable, dependable, and gives a great experience because it reflects on them. Do you do the same the other way around? I mean, when people come to you, they say, well, where can I have this? Do you have like a slate of quote unquote partners that you have? I don't technically have partners. If people ask me for referrals, I will definitely give them to them. Usually only after they've booked me because I don't want to get into the business of planning someone's wedding for them and then them ghosting me, you know? Um, So yeah, I'm I'm always happy to give referrals and things like that. Um, Mm. But usually it works the other way around. Usually they're going to a planner first and then Mm. their first thing out of the gate is going to be venue because they need to secure a date. And then their second thing is going to be a photographer. And then if they're working with a even halfway decent planner, that's who's going to refer the rest of their vendors. Okay. So you've also been looking at uh, kind of expanding your portfolio of offerings, right? So tell me a little bit about the Endless Summer Collaborative. Collective. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So that is a business. Actually, I had a mentor and he was like, I don't know why you're having me mentor. You should be mentoring. (laughs) And it had not occurred to me at that point that that was even an option to me, even though a lot of people were doing it. Um, So I decided to establish a separate business that I'm doing mentorship. I'm selling my develop presets, my album templates, my contract templates. Mm -hmm. Um, Right now I have a couple mentorship options. One that's just like by an hour, by two hours and another that's more of like a long-term mentorship. And I just started that business, um, but I do intend to start offering um, more like webinars, structured learning workshops, maybe one day have a natural light studio. It's just like a new endeavor that I'm embarking on. And I named it a collective because I do envision it bringing in other professionals to be a part of it. Um, 
in the near future and it not just being about me specifically. Right. So who is your ideal advisee for, for that? Is this Jenna from 15 years ago or who do you think is the, is the person you want to talk to? I mean, I want to talk. Yeah, sure. I want to talk to beginners, but I also want to talk to people who are like me and at multiple points in their journey have experienced burnout mm-hmm. or have wanted to change something and not known how or want to raise their prices and don't know to what or how or how to make that next right. step in the market. People that are plateaued, you know, like sure. that's something having done this for so long, which is unusual. Like I was telling you earlier, most people quit under five years. So having done this so long, you know, I've plateaued more than once. I've burnt out more than once, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's something that I feel really strongly that I can advise on and would like Mm -hmm. to help other creatives through. Because you've you've been there and been through it. I've been through everything. I'm convinced (laughs) I have seen it all. (laughs) (laughs) When did that launch and... How does how do how do people contact you on that? I kind of soft launched it last year. Okay. Um, my number one priority was to change my marketing strategy and up level my photography business. Mm-hmm. But I, while I was doing that, I was also working on this other brand. So it already is out there in the world. Um, I haven't done much advertising around it because I've been involved in a lot of networking and whatnot, but I have started doing webinars and now podcasts mm-hmm. and it's available. It's out in the world. They can find it by Googling Endless Summer Collective. They can find it just by Googling me, Jenna Noel, Jenna Noel Photography or Jenna Noel Creative. Mm-hmm. And I have links back to it on all my sites and they're all the options are pretty vividly laid out. Vividly laid out. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you much for your time and your expertise. Wishing you well on all your new ventures and hope to uh, be out, see you out in Denver sometime. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Dead Pixel Society podcast. Read more great stories and sign up for the newsletter at www.thedeadpixelssociety.com.